Right, so the video you're about to see uh, is an interview that I did with Al around about an, a year or so ago. Um, the plan was, was that this video was going to kick off a big series of podcast-style interviews that I do with different filmers. I've got a couple of others that haven't been cut yet, but if you like this one and it does quite well, fuck it, I'll cut the others and you can get to see them. But for now, this is the interview that I did with the good homie Al. We talk about where he kind of came up, stuff about skating, stuff about filming, some technical shit as well. Um, might be interesting, might not be. We'll see. If you like it, let me know. If you don't, keep it to yourself. Uh, but in the meantime, hopefully you enjoy, and uh, see you soon. So what's your name, and where are you from? So, I'm Al Hodgson, and I, uh, I'm from Brighton. I've moved around the UK a little bit, but um, I'm back here, and... Uh... Back in my hometown. What's the scene like in Brighton? The scene in Brighton is like um, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings. Like I have I have you know a lot of good friends here who are who are great skaters, and I really enjoy filming with them. And I and you know I've I know a lot about the heritage and the history of the scene, but I think it does lack a little bit these days comparatively to like how it was in the past. Like a lot has changed. It used to be. A very um very media centric place where you know you'd have a lot of filmers or a lot of photographers but i think it's like proximity to london has made it into more of a satellite town than a or a satellite city should i say than a than a hub that maybe it could have been before or still could have could be um you know there's a lot of things that attach to that you know the one big part of it is the fact that there's just it's fucking expensive here, man. It's like it's like a London borough, pretty much, without the infrastructure that London off- London offers or London can offer. Uh, Brighton has it's an interest, you know. It's got an interesting scene. It's quite arty, quite creative, and what what have you. But uh, because of its, um, I guess, it hasn't got an industry. You know, it hasn't got anything to keep people here and they come to study here and then they find it hard to afford to live here and then they go um and that's that's a, that's a tough one for a city scene because it's constantly chopping and changing and i feel like that wouldn't be a problem if you had like some core people at the center of the scene like a, a core skate shop that did stuff for the scene and i'm not being a hater but i don't really think that the the current skate shop does enough for the scene, if you compare it to shops like Drugstore in Norwich or, you know, Black Sheep or, I mean, fuck, there's loads of them, um, you know, Decimal, you know, in, in Sirencester, like they, they they all do, they all are involved in the scene. They're, talk, they're working with their filmers, they're doing stuff. I think Brighton lacks that. And then, you know, so it's hard for a cohesive scene to sort of stay current and consistent. And I think that, like, I try to do my best to, to sort of keep that coherent throughout but as I say people come and go so it could be quite difficult I mean I, I don't even know how long I'll be here and, that, and that's like yeah it makes things quite quite tough um, but with all that being said the scene is really rad there's a lot of really cool pockets of people some really interesting approaches and and styles and skaters and I'm lucky enough to like film with like some really dope people like Harrison and Cal and obviously like Dan and Dougie when they're uh, back from London because they've all moved to London and Ellis and then my friend Ash and then you know there's like a bunch of really cool p- 
people here who that do some really cool stuff, but our scene is tight knit and it's very small. There are some up and coming heads, but generally speaking, like the we're we're kind of a small crew. Uh and um yeah. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see where it goes. The city's changing a lot, new parks are getting built all the time, like it's quite an interesting quite an interesting city, but I don't think it's got a huge amount of longevity because it's how expensive it is to be here and I think that's just generally the problem that the city faces. Why do you think it's well, why is it so expensive? Do you think it's because it's like a hub for something in particular, like the arts or something yeah. or the, the university? That's a that's a that's a there's a level of that, but I think uh fundamentally Brighton's always been like that. It was like it used to be a kind of touristy destination that people would kind of go to and then it became a a kind of hub of creativity in the nineties because all the London creatives who were and students and stuff who could no longer afford to live in London moved down to Brighton while it's expensive like my family being an example of that like I was born in London and I they moved here when I was really young because it was the only place that people could afford to to go to so you had like the rave scene become a really big thing in Brighton you know everyone moved down to the rave scene and then you had all the artists and loads of other people and then you know much like any kind of any form of I guess you could call it gentrification. I mean, it depends which way you look at it, but it it eventually just got more and more expensive. It's so close to London, people could commute. Uh, it's very, the quality of life here is good. Schools are good. Like things are pretty good. I mean, obviously it has its, its, its more difficult sides and it's, you know, it's like any city, it has its good and it's bad. But generally speaking, like it's quite a nice place to live. And so a lot of people would want to try and live here. So then it becomes, and it's a small place that they can't build outside the city limits. So it just sort of develops and builds up and up and up. And, um, and that like naturally knocks the price up. And so it just becomes like a really expensive place to be. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's quite nice here. I mean, it's changing a bit, but it's quite nice here, but, uh, yeah, it just becomes too expensive for your student skaters to live. And, you know, I grew up with all my friends, the the best era of my life here in skating in Brighton, probably the most, what felt like the most prolific time was, you know, in that period between, you know, being a, like moving into adulthood and then early adulthood, you know, 18 to 23, 25, like that period of time where people were either studying here or they had less, you know, responsibilities. And, you know, in that period of time around 2014, like so much stuff was going on here. There were so many filmers. There was, so, there was just so much shit happening. Twenty twelve to twenty fourteen, um, but yeah, like anything, people can't afford to live here, and things change. So, so yeah, that's basically that's basically the reason I think. I mean, how many filmers and skaters would you say are left in Brighton at the moment? I don't know about skaters because you know that's a hard one to define. Yeah, uh, you know, there's people who skate. And in fact, Brighton, there's fucking loads of skaters because it's loads of people picking up skating because it's that kind of city it's kind of like san francisco-y style like venice beachy almost like people yeah. just i know they're two different places but um by the, by the beachfront that kind of yeah thing, it, it's, it's like yeah it's 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 like you know longboards pennyboards skateboards everything it's just like a real thing here it's kind of it's quite a yuppie place and it's quite like tech oriented you get a lot of like electric skateboard there's like loads of people but loads of people getting into skating as well you know it's just there's loads of skateboarders but i don't know how many like skaters there are do you know what i mean yeah there there are a few though the level definitely has a a decent scene of people and there's quite a lot of 
stuff going on there. Um, and so there are there are a lot of skaters. As for filmers, like, I mean, actual filmers, like, who are filmers. People with dedicated cameras just for filming. Or just who are really like, good at filming skating, whatever you want to define it as. I don't know, like, two, including Ooh. me. <laughs> really? Maybe, yeah, like, there really aren't many. And I don't even know if they would... Yeah, no, there are a couple of filmers, but, like, not really. Like, I'm... there used to be loads. There used to be some really good ones, you know, like uh, James Cheatham back in the day. I mean, Alan Glass is from here. Uh, oh, shit. Well, from around... He's from, he's from Worthing, but Alan Glass. I mean, Brighton's got... I mean, I don't want to go on a tangent, but Brighton's got quite a lot of heritage, you know, like Don Brown's from here. Um, Alan Glass, like, you know, well, Worthing and Brighton, you know, and then, like, Andy Evans is from Worthing. And then Andy... Oh, actually, sorry. Let me take that back. Andy li- Andy lives in Brighton, so he counts as a filmer. But he works on... I guess he works on his own projects. It's, yeah, it's a bit different. Not like a necessarily like a scene filmer. I mean, it's Andy, so he's kind of like an OG in the game. Hmm. So, um, But he does live in Brighton, so I've got a credit to him. Um, and, and I think like Liam Teague films occasionally, uh, but I don't know how much... Um, but anyway, what were we saying? Uh, the, uh, filmers, yeah, so there just aren't that many, really, like, I don't think, there's a, there's not that, despite Brighton's heritage, they, you, you know, and there was like, um, yeah, James, uh, James Cheatham or Slim Jim, people used to call him, he did a video called Brighton and Cheese on Tape, there were some like classic Brighton videos, um, and then, uh, Ed Hubert, he did the LA video, which was Level Army. And then uh, Like, another video he did. They were really dope. And then Cyrus, like, obviously a good friend of mine. Yeah, he put that eight-minute part of you out, like, ten years ago. (laughs) I watched that the other day just to, like, get some information. And fucking hell, that's a a long part for one person to have. That That was a good time because we... I lived with Cyrus... I mean, I don't, I'm not a big fan of, I look back at the skating and I sort of cringe, but like um, the actual process that it was, was pretty special, you know, like working, I lived with Cyrus in Bournemouth and we went to uni together and we would just go out at night and just try and find spots in Bournemouth. And like, it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty cool experience. Like I say, I, I look back and I sort of think, oh, I don't know about those clips. Like I, Cyrus is filming is great, but like I just wasn't sure about like, what I chose to do as a skater. Yeah. But you know, that's like fucking coming up to 12 years ago or something. No, not maybe not that long, but you know, 10 years ago or something. I mean, that and... was the time, that was the time though. That, that, at that time, it was like more acceptable for certain stuff like that to kind of yeah. get through. Yeah, for sure. And like, it was during the skate perception era. So there's a lot of kind of like B roll. It's very, it's very like, yeah. and I thought Fully it was Fully actually... flare-esque. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was cool. Like I, I, I like. No, it. the film is um, fucking excellent. He's yeah. really good at it. He's a really good filmer and he was in Brighton. He did a video called Death Aesthetic in that time frame that I said, like around 2014, where Brighton was really popping. Uh, and so, so there's a lot of good filmers from here, man. You know, like there's a lot of culture, there's a lot of heritage within like British skateboarding coming from Brighton. But now it's weird. It's like a bit of a, there's own, I mean, I, I film here um, and then there's like a handful of others and then there's obviously Andy, uh, but he kind of goes all over the place. Um and I mean, I feel bad if I'm missing anyone out, but like actual filmers, filmers, like there really aren't very many, if any. I mean, so. 
Talking of filmers and stuff, like what actually got you into filming though? Was it like a, a moment or just like a a burning urge to get out there and film or what was it? Um It's a weird one because like ever since I was a kid I always had a camera. Like my dad had his little high eight camera or eight minute video eight camera and um they didn't really use it and I just fucking used to use it all the time. I mean re- I've been rewatching some of the old tapes like I filmed hours and hours and hours on that thing, like just going around with a camera, just being like, oh, oh, like just chatting shit and filming stuff. And I always, and you know, I was probably about 10 or younger and I always just wanted to like edit that footage or do something with that footage. I never knew like what it would be, but I just loved filming. I loved the idea of it. And then um, I like studied some of that stuff in school and college and did all that kind of bits, those kind of bits. Uh, but when I started skating, I... I was quite like shy to like come in to go to the to go to skate parks and stuff. I found it like quite um like overwhelming. Um but then that was as like a beginner and stuff. I found yeah, really like cuz the level as well, that's another thing about the level skate park in Brighton which is the kind of the central hub skate park. It like especially nowadays it's much better, but back in the day it was like a pretty hostile place and that that could be quite overwhelming if you're like a beginner um and i just found that like really scary and so yeah so my friend i who who's actually a fucking sick skater who ended up being like amazing um kid isaac miller he like rode for drawing boards and some other other things um he skates still skates here and there uh but he's dope he he was really good like at a pretty young age and we went to school together and he was just like, lit man, just, if you're scared, just come down with a camera and everyone will be stoked to fucking, to, to film or to like, you'll be, if you're scared of like integrating, just bring your camera down and then people will be hyped. <laughs> and so I sort of, yeah, well, it, it sort of like helped me to find a way in that I didn't have to be a really good skater. And I was just like, oh shit, like I'm going to try and like do a bit of filming so that like these guys get to know me and they accept me and then that kind of worked uh and then like over time I got like more confident competent at skating and like more comfortable with skating and and stuff and like it sort of got to the point where I was like I don't know some especially with the level like there were some kind of shitty attitudes and at one point I was just like fuck these guys I'm just gonna skate like fuck these guys (laughs) who like I'm filming and they don't care about like what I'm doing or the effort I'm putting in. I'm just going to fucking skate and then get good. And then like, maybe I can film something. And then like, I never got good, but like I got like, all right. And I started filming with Cyrus and like that then spawned a kind of era where I stopped filming. Like I stopped filming from about 2010 until about 2017 or 2016. I didn't really film anything in that period of time. Bloody hell. Yeah. Because I was just skating and I just like, I was filming stuff with Cyrus and, and like, I don't know. I just sort of like fell in love with skating completely. And, and also I just sort of felt like there weren't, I didn't, I don't know. There weren't that many people to film at that point of time. And there were people covering the scenes, you know, like it wasn't like, you know, there was no one covering the Brighton scene. And at that time I was between Bournemouth and for university and stuff. So yeah, it was kind of a mix, a mismatch of all that kind of stuff. And eventually I um, kind of got back to filming 
in like 2016 and 2017 with like all the owl stuff and um like buying my own vxs again because i used to film on like a xm1 canon but then you know, this, this is before knowing like what was good and bad if you're before you're coming of age and seeing the light yeah precisely i mean i had like <laughs> a i had i shot on like a yeah typical your mini dv camcorder and then with a little clip on fisheye like everyone does it it or everyone did in that era and then um and then yeah i just sort of saw the canon and i was like that looks like the one they use in the skate vids so then i got one of them with a i had a mark one on it though was it the mark one yeah i'm pretty sure not like a vx mark one they made one for the xm1 um huh. maybe it was a mark two i can't remember but they made it for that camera and uh so i had a century lens on it um and i mean the audio was horseshit but it wasn't a bad camera at the time but like obviously you know with the vx's in in the picture it's just sort of like why would anyone do that um, <laughs> but at that period at that period of time like i i didn't really think anything of it you know like it was just it was what it was um but that kind of gave me the understanding of like how to use a camera like that and like how to you know film with a handled camera you know fisheye and roll alongside people um and but then i yeah like i said i gave that up in like 2009 i probably sold that and then from then on it was yeah i went back to vx in 2016 Mm. i mean jude actually brought up the xm1 as well he said it was a pretty good like I think he said it was like a pretty good starting camera because it's kind of similar to a VX in weight. The image, well, in his words, he said it kind of can look like a VX. So you might want to slap him for that. But even he said like the sound was, I think he said the sound wasn't that good. But I think that's just common sense at this point. It wasn't a good microphone. Yeah, the the sound was 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 terrible. Uh, but um, but you can get them for about a hundred pounds. This is it. It's cheap. They're cheaper and they are. Um, fairly reliable because they're a bit newer mm. uh, and they I mean my, my XM1 never failed and I had it for like five years um, but like yeah I don't know fuck that camera I'm, I, I'm not trying to be that guy because it's such an obvious one to be like oh fuck the XM1 <laughs> but at the same time like it is kind of crappy mm. I mean I'm probably not going to enjoy an XM1 video as much as I would as a, a VX video, but then I guess it depends how you use it. But then even then, like, I don't know. I just don't think it's the same. Like, how are you going to... I just I don't know how you can listen to that audio. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. But, yeah, um, but yeah that's, that's that story. I think, it, I think it's one of those where it's like, if you have that camera, you've got to, like, make up for it in the edit or, like, the actual quality of the skating. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a weird one, isn't it? Because it's like, at that time, you had a few options, and now you have so many options that there really is no point getting an XM1 because, like, you know, if people, people get into that to buy into the tape aesthetic, right? They think that there's, like, a specific tape, like, lo-fi aesthetic. And, like, I actually don't really like that idea that, like, you would just... You're essentially, like buying credibility purely because you're using that format i don't really think that's like correct but then that's just my opinion but but um yeah the the thing about the 
about now is you have so many alternatives, you know, like you, why would you film with an XM1 when you can film with a fucking handy cam? Like that's this, you know, they're, it's basically the same. The reason the VX is good is because of what, because of everything the VX is. It's not, it, there's so many attributes that the VX has that is not just because it's a tape camera. It's for many, many reasons. It's not just because it films on tape. But I think a lot of people like hark back to that, like that early 2000s aesthetic thinking, oh, cool. Like if I get a tape camera, that's what this is. And it's like, to me, that, that that's not, that's not what this is. You know, that's not why that's why that's good. That's not why that's like interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to, like, the whole look of, like, an early 2000s, like, video. It's, like, the clothing, the locations, the people. Obviously, the equipment helps, but there's a lot more to it than just an old camera. Yeah, people people think... Uh, yeah, I just think that people think, like, oh, I can buy a tape... It's like, I could buy a tape camera, and then I've fulfilled the aesthetic, and or, you know, and it's interesting, and I'll get the cred. It's like... But, like, I do... Like, I... Don't get it twisted. I do fully think that anyone can make a good video on any camera i'm not like a purist or an asshole like that who's just like oh yeah no it's, if it's not that it's shit because that's um yeah i'm not into that uh, approach but at the same time like some cameras are good because for a reason you know that like some cameras are good because they're good not just because they're tape mm. like the vx is good for so many reasons not just because it's tape and actually tape its format is irrelevant you know, mm. I mean, if anything, the tape is the worst part about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's his biggest drawback. Mm. Um, and you know, but I see kids now, obviously, which makes sense. Really wanting to, you know, get tape cameras. You know, whether it's a VX, which often they can't afford, so it's like, okay, well, XM ones, handy cams, anything to to kind of get that aesthetic. And I get it, and it makes sense, but it's. It's not, I don't know, to me, it's not the tape that makes, it's not the format that makes it good, you know? It's like I wouldn't film on a VX2000 because, not because, like, I just, I just wouldn't film on a VX2000 because I don't think it's as good as a VX1000. Or even a VX21, like, I'd probably film on a VX21, maybe, but, like, VX1000 is what I think looks good, so it's like, I'm not going to, yeah, I don't know, that's not really a, <laughs> I haven't really polished that off, but no, I, I get you. I, get... I mean, the, the, there's more to. I feel like apart from the obvious parts of it, like you know, it's the camera that made some of the great escape. Well, that was used to film some of the great escape videos of all time. But there's also obviously, um, like the almost melancholy history of it, like the glory days. You know, like thinking about like, oh, maybe if I use this setup and get that look, I can like relive some of my kind of misspent youth kind of thing do you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely i mean there is an element of that uh and i mean the camera holds like such a huge amount of cultural capital there's undeniable so i have a feel. i sort of feel like when people when people critique the vx in terms of like modern how modern it is and or how modern it isn't and and you know say you know we should really move on from that i feel like they very often just sort of use a single critique. So, oh, tapes are just shit. Or like the definition is really low. Or like, why would you use that old ass camera in like the 21st century? And to be honest, I don't, I do understand those arguments, but then it's like, well, what is, what is it that you're trying to make? 
Like, what what are the projects you're trying to you're trying to do? Like, are you trying to create something cinematic? Because yeah, if you're trying to create something cinematic, then fuck no, don't use a VX one thousand. Like, that's stupid. Or like, you know, are you looking for four K? Cool. Well, then get a four K camera. You know, of course, a VX isn't the camera for that. Like, that makes perfect sense. But what the VX does have is cultural capital within skating, like authentic years in the game for a reason. You know, it had 10 years in the, in the, in the, skate, in the skate game because there was nothing that matched it. And then things came along that matched it, but people were so used to it by that point, by having 10, after having 10 years of it documenting their thing, it became synonymous with that thing. So then what, it's like an analogy I think that is appropriate. It's like, it's like music or like a musical instrument. So like a certain brand of a musical instrument or a certain instrument can be used in a certain genre and then it becomes a defining aspect of that genre. Kind of like Gibson or something. Yeah, I mean, that's a good example. But then, you know, there might be a specific synthesizer that's like really synonymous with 80s music, right? And then that actually, that synthesizer ends up being part of being like defining the genre. And without it, it stops being that genre. Now, skating has a plethora of different genres within it, you know, as if it were different. I feel like filmmaking approaches can be very different, much like different genres of music. But the VX is synonymous with that genre of skate video now, like independent, sort of like in like uh, explorative, creative, uh, artistic uh, just hometown skating. Like a scene video, scene. Or kind of more like East Coast kind of stuff. Yeah, like like exploring city spots, documenting the scene, like that's what that has become synonymous with. So that look has become synonymous with that. So that genre is what I like the most. It's like if I liked music, maybe I really like 90s boom bap New York hip hop, right? So maybe that's the genre I like. But then I see hip hop, goes in so many different directions, you know? So it's gone in so many different directions, there's so many different subgenres and different styles of hip hop today. And I sort of feel the same is true with skate videos. You know, so like, you you have your authentic 90s style, or for skating it'd be authentic kind of early 2000s VX style for independent videos, but then you have all your other different kinds of style of music, and like, and in the same way, you have loads of different kinds of styles of skating, like skate videos. So, you know, You'd have your Bill Strobeck genre. You'd have your Ty Evans genre. You'd have your VX filmer genre. Like there's, and then there's subgenres within that. But yeah, that's why the kind of VX versus HD debate is like difficult, really, and and complicated. And I think oversimplifies the fact that that's like going rock or rap. It's like, well, I don't know. They're completely different. You know, one thing that um, I was talking to name drop here, to, <laughs> chatting to Colin Reed, and he was saying how um, it's a really interesting question because it's like they're two completely different things. It's like comparing oil painting to photography and saying which is your favourite, and it's like well they're completely different, so you can't really, you know, you can't really compare. VX has all that cultural history behind it. It also has its downsides, but with HD, it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that same connection to a lot of people because it's just HD. It is now, though. Like when you look at like the Panasonics with uh, Strobeck, like love it or hate it, 
it's having the same effect. It's doing the same thing. It's putting cultural value on those cameras. Uh, I mean, we can go into that later. There's probably something to be said about that. But fundamentally, it's just like, you know, these these are different approaches. And, uh, and there is cultural capital with the VX and for that kind of particular thing. And I guess that's what draws me to it the most. Um, and why that particular camera more than anything else is like, you know, amongst loads of other reasons, because there's fucking loads of reasons, in my opinion, um, that I like it. Uh, but, you know, I, I know that these things are kind of debatable and people can have different opinions on them and stuff. Mm. I mean, I, I feel bad now because one of the questions was going to be VX or HD, but you've, you've answered, it, answered it so poetically, it's pointless even asking it. Well, I mean, you can still you can still ask it. I mean, I, 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 I guess my my answer to that would be both. It depends on what you're doing, but I would usually prefer to watch a VX video because that's just what I, you know, but that comes with the caveat that it has to be a good VX video. And... You could say that for most things, couldn't you? Well, yeah, that is true. You can say it for most things, but like the VX is a really old camera and it it's an old format. And so it's like, you've got to do it well if you're going to do it at all. Because otherwise people are going to turn around and say, oh my God, why are we using this camera in 2021 or 2022? And it's like, I see so many kids buying it for cred and then filming it with filming with it like shit. And, and it's like, we're trying to fight the battle that this is a camera worth using. Please use it well. <laughs> like, so my caveat would be VX definitely always for my personal preference of like the kind of videos I like to watch. But it has to be done well, like because it can so easily look trash. That's fair enough. I mean, one thing I will bring up though is like when I see kind of West Coast companies putting out videos, like say like Girl put out a VX edit. To me, that just something about it just doesn't sit right. Like a, like a Theories of Atlantis traffic owl in your case, like VX. I could see it absolutely because that's what you use. But if I see like a girl. Uh, like a creature video, something like that, shot in a VX. Just something about it, especially if it was within the last year, just doesn't feel right. It feels almost like like it's too planned. Like they knew, like, right, we have to get a VX. We want to get kind of like credibility back with like the kind of the East Coast kind of scene. Yeah, I totally I totally know what you're talking about. I've, I've seen that quite a lot recently. Like there was a little almost video that was all shot on VX and then there was like a blind part with TJ Rogers who I actually think is sick, but like, and so same with like John Delo on almost they're they're both fucking sick and they made it look dope, but like, uh, and they use good filmers as well. They always use really good VX filmers for those things, but primitive too, you know, they do it. And it's just like, this is odd. Cause it's, and, and actually the same as fucking April with, with Shane O'Neill, like, you know, it is odd because at times it does look a bit like a, a cred, a cred grab. Like it's okay. How can we like, like when those motherfuckers would put like, oh, VX edit. It's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It would be, they, it's not a part, it's a VX part. So it's like, but it has like connotations, you know, like a VX part in inverted commas has connotations of, oh, it was just a kind of chilling part. We were out in the streets having fun. It was casual. But, you know, you have parts and you have VX parts for a lot of these kind of bigger companies. And it is, it is like a, a way to say, hey, look, we did this and we weren't really trying, so let's look how dope it is because we were chilling. And it also gives, like, 
credibility, like street cred, like skate street cred. But I got to admit, like, I get how it's a bit of a novelty in those contexts, but I actually still kind of rate it. Like, I watch a Yuto part, that Yuto Horigami part that he did that for was April. It's like, this is actually fucking dope, especially when you compare it to what the footage looked like in his Spitfire part that he put out later in the year. And it just removes the sterileness of it. Like, it just does... It makes some of those skaters who would otherwise potentially be... Con- be by some perceived as a little sterile. I don't even necessarily agree with that, but like it, it makes it makes it look a little bit less sterile. It gives a little flavour. It basically gives a little flavour. And although unlike many VX approaches, it would be more of like a it's like a it's almost like a filter. It's almost like a fake way of making it look more credible and interesting. I do actually think it does give it a bit of a bit more a bit more flavour. Um I think if it's done tastefully. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But then, like, you know, what's what's untasteful? You know, is is untaste because if it's filmed really well, which they often actually are filmed pretty well, like that's pretty tasteful. I think. I, don't I think know. as long as it's, I think as long as they don't try and make too much of a a song and dance about it being shot on a VX. Like, here's Yuto's part. There you go. And people think, oh, fuck, shot on a VX, that's cool. Instead of like, Yuto's VX part, coming soon, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. You know. I guess that makes sense. But that kind of, I sort of feel that way for skate videos generally. But, like, uh, it's funny just because it, he is one of those people that you never thought you'd see on VX. Like, I mean, he was born before the damn... F- well, he, came, he was born after it was even discontinued. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the same country. As it was designed and created. Shit, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know actually how much it's, it was designed in America or Japan. But I would imagine, being Sony, it was probably designed and made in Japan. But um, the, yeah, it is unusual. But then again, it's like the same with April's approach. You know, like they film 4.3 HD as well. And that looks pretty sick. And so it's kind of like you can tell that he's taking those sort of like skate video motifs uh, from his upbringing and then like Shane O'Neill that is and, you know, trying to bring them into the 21st century. And one of one of the ways he did that was actually to do a VX part with someone that maybe you wouldn't have expected to. And Mm. it did add flavor like, you know, and I thought that I did think that was pretty dope. Like. If something ain't broke, it doesn't necessarily need to be fixed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know? And I understand that, like, you know, most VXs, one, are broken, but two, a lot of people would say that the the aesthetic and the form is played out. But um, there is something just classic about that look. There's something classic about about that form of the 4-3. And, I mean, I'm partial to Mark One. I know that you have like varying opinions on that, but but like I'm definitely partial to that. And so, you know, there is something to be said about that that particular delivery of skate video. Um and I don't know, I can't Yeah, I th- I think it's cool even put in a modern package, even put in a modern package by companies that maybe it would look strange look kind of strange to do otherwise. You know, I I sort of still think it's kinda of cool. 
just to clarify before I get sent de- deference, I don't hate the Mark One. I just hate people who mark up the price. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> that, that that I agree with you entirely there, definitely. Um, but I think that that's just an inevitable factor of the situation as it was. Mm. Like, you know, I wouldn't sell my Mark One now for less than a grand, whereas I bought it for half a grand. But then I I wouldn't. I would be stupid not to sell it for like at least a decent amount of its like market price value. And I, you obviously see people who make money from this marking up too much and that's bullshit. I mean, I've seen some ridiculous ones. I'm sure you have as well. Hmm. But like, I don't know. As its cultural capital accrues over the years, like it's only natural that it's going to be more and more expensive because it hmm. becomes rarer. So... It's just the way it is. It's just the way it'll be. But yeah, people, like resellers, on the whole, there's a couple of decent ones, but on the whole, like, I'm not a fan. I'm not really into it. Yeah. Like, I get, like, you you do have a point. Like, I'm not mad at, like, because it's obvious that it's going to go up because of just how rare it is. But it is mainly just the people, like, sent, like, oh, two and a half thousand pounds. Yeah. Like, that makes no sense at all to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's bullshit. That's really ridiculous. And like selling like completely smashed up ones. I've seen absolutely knackered ones for like 800, 900 quid. And it's like, are you fucking joking? Like how, how? What are they smoking? Mm. All right, I'm going to try and reel it back in a bit. So okay. who inspires you the most in the filming community? Um, That's a really tough one. There's a lot of filmers that like I really like. I mean, if you can't name um, just one, have a list. Feel free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. I mean, Johan is probably my all-time favourite because he just changed the game uh, for like VX filming, especially in Europe. Just like was so, I just remember seeing that video, the his Minui video for the first time, and just being like completely blown away by like how he approached the sort of artistry of filming. Not to sound pretentious, but like there was like a real artistry and like the way he he portrayed skating he made it so much more exciting and obviously like he was harkening back to who I, at the time i didn't know but like a lot of the japanese filmers like shinpei and you know and and the tight roof guys uh and what they were doing uh, and you know then i went back to see them and i find all their stuff really inspiring so you know all the so yoan hugely for that kind of for the filming and he's still going you know he's still making amazing stuff he's still running minui which is essentially just a moniker for himself uh and it just is always good no matter who's doing it uh like no matter who he's filming sorry um obviously like colin reed with spirit quest and tengu and all his stuff he did uh was a real like game changer that's like spirit quest is probably the best video ever made in my opinion um that's my opinion. I know a lot of people would definitely disagree with that, but like, I think it's just amazing. Um, Zach Chamberlain, like he's massive, massive, massive influence. Like, I just think that guy is a fucking genius. Like I'm, I was like lucky enough to meet him in Bristol. He's really, really, really nice guy. And he just, he's just he's so, so good at filming. Like I, he's so good at like, he really shows you how much of a craft like VX filming is like his hill bombing filming. It's like, that's the trick. Most of the time you're watching the clip. You're thinking this is a dope clip, but most of the time it's like, he's 
it's gnarlier what he's doing. Like, it's like, holy shit, he's carrying a fucking camera doing that same thing. Yeah, and he's just... And his music choices, his, like... He's very... I just think of him as... He's very, like, worldly cultured. And I think that's really fucking cool. So I get a lot of inspiration from that. So those three, like, Zach, Colin Reed, and... Uh, and um, and Yoan are probably, like, the like, three who've had, like, the biggest influence in, on me. But... Like, there's loads of other people, you know, like the Threads guys. Uh, it's like Matt Creasy and Alex Rose who do, like, Thread Supervisual. And I think it was Threads Ideas Vacuum before that. Like, their stuff is super creative and super interesting. Like, fucking Adam Boz, who did a video recently um, called Gristle. That was on Grey. I mean, not Grey, sorry. That was on Free, uh, Skate Mag. And that was fucking great. And the Japanese guys, you know, Type Booth guys. There's a filmer in... Um, Holland called uh, Jan Martin Sneep. The homie. He's fucking wicked. He's really good. I think he's memory screen as well. He is. He is, yeah. 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 But he's he's brilliant. Like I think he's a really good filmer and I think he gets like how to make VX footage look really like crisp as well, which I appreciate. And then like people like fucking Gustav Tonneson, man. Oof. Like Sour Solution 2 is such a good video and he's such a good skater and like and then you watch the video and you're like, that's like one of my favourite skate videos. That's such a good skate video. And it's so well filmed and it's so well thought out. And it was him. And it just goes to show like how much of a crossover of the skating and the filming and how, how important it is, especially with the VX, how important it is to be, to have a really strong idea of skating and have a really good idea of like, like, approach and aesthetic when it comes to skating when you're a filmer too because like i mean that's proof to me he's an amazing film he's an amazing skater uh and he just like made a really really good well-rounded creative video and yeah they're really really neatly intertwined i think those two things being like an understanding of having an understanding of uh skateboarding and being a good filmer i mean we were talking about this just before like you need to have like a a good taste as you said like a good taste and like what looks good and like you know good suggestions otherwise you're maybe not as great of a film but otherwise i see i really think that's so important like people i think it's really important for the filmer to have a voice you know like within like and have an idea and have an aesthetic and have a perspective on skating and actually care about skating and know skating and love skating because you can watch a skate video and you know when the filmer is just a filmer and doesn't have a clue about skating or doesn't care, or doesn't know. I'm not saying the filmer has to be a really good skater. They just have to know what the what the fuck is up. Like you, just, they just have to know, like, be creative, have an approach, have a thought process about skating itself, uh, and not just the filming because, like, not just the cameras because they're really important, of course. And and you know, a mixture of the two is always necessary. But I do think it is really important for like, you know, them to intake skate media, them the filmers to love like skateboarding not just skateboard filming like i like both and i think it's really important for like people to like both you know because mm. you see it the other way around as well you see filmers who just skate uh and they'll just pick up a camera and like they'll sometimes make videos that like don't look that good but i think i would prefer to see especially vx wise i think i would prefer to see a video from someone that cared about skating but maybe wasn't a great videographer than a great videographer who had no idea about skating. Because, mm. like, 
it's about that creativity and that approach and that understanding about what's important in skating and like having a having ideas and actually like that's what you know you'll find you know as a filmer and like most people will know this and like, most people will like have had this experience if they film like you're often having to come up with ideas for the skater like you're often being like hey what about this what about this have you thought about trying that what about we do this in the project it's a collaborative experience it's like a real like one and one like going back and forth with ideas and stuff yeah 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 and you know like the filmer should have a voice as well you know i've seen filmers who just don't say no to filming a trick so like, oh you want to do that yeah no worries and then they film for three hours and it's like like where's the to and fro here you're just like like a mule like a camera mule yeah carrying and, everyone else's shit as well yeah and it's like have a say in this like make it a collaborative process that's when the best projects always come up you know that's why zach's videos are so damn good and why yarn's videos are so fucking good and like why spirit quest was so good although colin is just like a kind of polymath but like but but why so many of those things are great because it is about the collaboration you know i would say seldom i would say there's very many parts that people absolutely love that didn't have some input from the filmer um and you know that rings true forever i think yeah i mean i wouldn't trust a skater's opinion on like a camera angle probably like, if, if I was filming someone do a trick and they're like, oh, maybe you should stand there. I was like, well, maybe, but you don't film. <laughs> like, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You see, I, I get that perspective. I see where you're coming from. But at the same time, uh, if that skater has grown up watching skate videos and understands skate culture and actually is intelligent and has a has a perspective on the culture and has been immersed in the culture for so long, they actually probably do know how it would, how good it would look. Like, I get what you're saying. But like, you know, if they've been skating for 15 years, they know what angle a nollie flip is going to look good. Oh, for. no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, and I see, you know, and I'm and so I'm always willing to listen to the listen to the uh, the person I'm filming of, like if they have a separate idea. But most of the time, I think that I'm lucky that they trust me because I'm also a skater and they know that like, ah, oh, like I know how I would want it to look like if I did it. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. There is that. There is that element to it too. Like I've been on. I've been lucky enough to be on kind of both sides hmm. of the camera at times. Not to sound arrogant, but like um, when so I sort of have an idea of what I how I like stuff to look. Hmm. So I think people people understand that. But yeah, it's also like a like you said. It's it's also kind of a trust thing as well. Like if you've been filming with like the same person for like a very long time, there's going to be almost some, some, like, bond between them, like a brotherhood-type thing. Like, I know this motherfucker's going to get it right. Like, I trust his judgment. I know he's going to make it look good. But say I was filming with someone who I didn't know very well or, like, I was hired to film or something, then there, I think I would... Personally, anyway, I, I'm not suggesting people should do this, but I think there might be a bit more of a kind of a... Well, you just do the skating, I'll worry about the filming kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I can see that in any kind of corporate... Uh, exp- uh, context especially if you're being hired to do it uh i totally get that um but like in a but then that's why you know projects where people work with like a filmer that they really like uh are always so great because there is that bond and that the the end result is almost is almost always so much better because like the whole is much greater than the sum of its parts you know it becomes like a collaborative process that makes something better whereas like just a hired filmer doesn't have that same bond. It's just going to kind of film whatever. 
So that's why I sort of like steer away from that most of the time. Like I wouldn't really film anything if I didn't have like a majority creative control. Mm. Because I mean that it's not always true, but like most of the time I wouldn't film something like especially like VX. I wouldn't film something if I if it wasn't my project and I didn't have like creative kind of not even input like control. Well, I mean, your and, name's going to be on it at the end of the day. Well, yeah, exactly. And so most of the time I would just rather it be that way. And I think a lot of creatives, like a lot of filmers, like think that, you know, they're like, I would, I want to, I don't want to do this unless I'm doing this exactly as I, how I want to do it. Mm. Um, but like VX filming and skate filming for us and as a culture, but me also is so personal you know it's like this is what i do as my hobby because i love it like i don't want to change that for someone else's vision so i'm going to do it the way i do it for me and for my friends and we get the best results that way um and and i think that's probably how it will continue i hope yeah i mean like it kind of harks back to the whole kind of collaborative side of everything you know it's like as long as there's like a good connection between the people you're filming and all that kind of stuff, and you have the control to like decide what goes in, what goes out, and how it should look and stuff. I think that's like you said, that's usually when like the best projects come out. Definitely, man. Like, like Palace is a good one, I'd say. Like, is a good example of stuff like that. Of it just following, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are a crew and they they have a a vibe, yeah, for sure. Um, I think the cl- some of the clearest examples of that is like some of the people that I've already mentioned, you know, like Zach's crew and yeah. Johan and, and like the tight booth guys and threads. It's all about just homies. It's all about friends. It's all about going street and just exploring and like yeah. taking advantage of your city. And like, like it's all, a, it, 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 that's where this whole thing comes from, you know? And that's why like, I love it. Cause there's a soul to it. Uh, but like, yeah if you switch it the other way around and you made it so it's just like a kind of uh filmer right, who who didn't who didn't really understand like wasn't friends with everyone that he was filming or she was filming and uh and then all of a sudden it like um they're like working on a project say that they've never met these film they've never met these skaters before and they're trying to like build a project out of it uh you can tell that there's no like chemistry because it doesn't look right. It like it looks off. Mm. You know, chemistry chemistry is just so so important with this with all this kind of stuff, especially when it comes to kind of indie videos. Mm. Maybe not so much so with like big name brand videos, like a Vans video. That shit doesn't really matter, you know, because that's not what it's about. But like, homie videos and low key videos, like independent projects, like that's what where this whole thing comes from. So. I think again, I might it might be a silly question, but like, what would what do you think is more important for like skate culture and history? Do you think it's the scene videos, or do you think it's like the big videos that come out every couple of years? So like a fully flared versus a scene video. I think that it's a tough one because it's kind of a bit of both. Like as we move into cult, as we move into kind of skate culture now, it's like. A complete mix of the two like you don't really know where one line starts and the other ends you know like some things are like look at johnny wilson stuff like you know 
it's sort of a scene vid, but then all the guys are getting paid by Nike and he's getting paid by Nike and they're all on Nike. Well, this is maybe a few years ago, but, you know, they're all on Nike. So it's like that it's kind of a Nike video, but it's not. It's his. It's like subtle product placement. So I sort of feel like was was the question like what's more influential? Like what's more important, like the history of skating or like the culture of it? Like is it the scene videos that come out or would you say it's like these big grandiose full lengths that come out by these big companies? To me it's almost certainly the scene videos because that keeps everything going on a grassroots level. Uh but then it's difficult to define between the two because they're like very similar in lots of ways sometimes. You know, like like for example Look at like the most recent Quasi video. Now Quasi is quite a big board brand in the grand scheme of things, but it was almost like a scene video because everyone had a part in their own town, or their own city, sorry, or state, uh, and it kind of had a scene feel to it. So, so it's a tough one to kind of delineate between the two. But I would say like scene is always most important because it's grassroots and that takes skateboarding in the direction that you want to from the bottom up, uh, whereas from the top down it's much more likely to be kind of uh polluted by kind of corporate interests so like you know shoe money or or what have you uh so i would say almost certainly the kind of scene level is more important for keeping kind of skateboarding how we want it to be portrayed yeah that's fair enough yeah i would always say that you know like where the there's like the each person in the scene is like a bastion for how they want skateboarding to be portrayed how you, they want their skateboarding portrayed to the rest of the world or the rest of their country or whatever. Like, it's 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 really important. Whereas a brand, a big brand, all they want to do is portray their brand in the way that is successful to sell the product that they're trying to sell. So, yeah, I think, yeah, from a grassroots level, it's independent stuff is definitely the, the most important. Hmm. Well... Because I know you, well, I'm the, I first kind of started talking to you about like going tapeless and whatnot was like a year or so ago. Actually, God, it might have been closer to about two years ago at this point. Um, I feel like you and a couple of other people, like Pedro, were pretty early on. Like, what got you into the idea of going tapeless with your VX? Oh, yeah. Um, I think like I see, I'd seen. So the first person I ever saw do it was Mark. Nicholson, who used to ride for death. Um, well, he probably still does. Uh, but he used to film some of their stuff as well. And he put a video out about the DN60 uh, and an Instagram post. And I remember, I hadn't seen the video, but I'd seen the Instagram post. My friend Stefan, who used to film the owl videos before I did, um, he saw that on Instagram. And he was like, guys, look at this. And he sent it to a bunch of us. And uh, I remember like, we weren't so convinced at the time. It was like, nah, there's no way. Like, I remember he sent it to Cyrus as well, and Cyrus was just like, nah, it looks too clunky. And I remember thinking the same. Like, it looked clunky as fuck because at that time it was either on the bottom or on the top, and there was no like alternatives. But then I'd gone through in like 2018 or 2019, I think it was. I'd just gone through so much tape shit. I had four VXs. They were all supposedly working, and just none of them would record. Like, they all would fuck up with this tape. And it might have been the tapes, whatever. But it just caused me to, like, almost lose so many clips. I think I got lucky. I only lost one. But, like, you know, you don't want to fucking lose... If your friend's fucking trying something really hard, you know, don't want to lose the footage. So I just thought, okay, I'm going to try... I'm going to think about giving this a go. And then I saw that uh, VX Medic 
um, was posting one up and he said, I've got this. It's a little bit busted. I'm selling it. And I was like, oh, I'm interested. And I asked him, like, so what's the deal? Like, and he gave me a kind of full rundown. And uh, I watched the video that Mark Nicholson had posted like three years previous. And I was like, shit, there's, we've got to find a way to make that work. So I asked him all about all the specs and I got it. I bought it in the end. And I spent like a kind of month or so researching like ways that we could mount onto the camera where it wouldn't hit, like it wouldn't get hit or is actually like secure on the camera. And so then we did this like L plate. We came up with this sort of L plate. Well, I found an L plate, that, like a kind of bracket for a tripod. And then I could attach onto the side of the VX, um, which was like, I hadn't seen anyone do that at that time. I don't know about Pedro, but that was like, late 2019 and i'd seen people use tapeless i'd seen people use the mrc1 uh on like slap there's something on slap about it shalom yeah <laughs> and i'd seen someone use the dn60 obviously and i'd seen i think so seen someone use one of the focus enhancement models but um they all just look jacked they all just look fucked like on the top all wobbly like and or on the bottom getting scratched i'm like no way man like Especially if you're trying to film like low, like there's no way you can have anything on the bottom. And uh, if you want to film with a light, there's no way you can have anything on top or whatever. I mean, we've gone through this in your other video, but like, um, so I was like, okay, so it needs to be on the side. And then, um, so once I did it, I mounted it, I posted it on Instagram and I was like, guys, like, I think this might be a way that we can fully avoid tapes and it's not difficult. Like you just put it on the side and it never gets in the way. And then after that, I got a load of messages. And then um, around that time, Sony discontinued. That was 2020. Sony discontinued the Sony Premium, the mini DV tape. And so everyone started looking. And then so people started searching up my that, like searching up like options on Instagram or searching up hashtags. I don't know how it was, but like I think like a few people saw mine and then started looking into alternative options. And then the the resellers started finding all the different kinds of tapeless options and then we did the stuff like me and you did the video about it and then uh after that it just sort of became like this rolling thing where everyone just started making like how to make tapeless vx's and there was just like loads of videos like jenkin put one out transworld put one out like you put one out someone else put one out all in the space of like two months all with different tapeless devices and it just became a bit crazy but it just blew up but yeah fundamentally in answer to your question the reason i did it was just I was just having so many issues with tape decks and I was just sick of using tapes. Um, and so I just thought there'd be a better option and ended up being like the best decision for filming I ever made. But yeah, so that's that's my story with the kind of tapeless. Yeah. I want to talk about Owl or what is it? Orwellian. Orwellian World Landscape. <laughs> Bit of a mouthful. That's the one. What's that all about? Uh, what do you mean? As in like, what's the project or? What, what, how did it get started? Like... What's it all about, you know? Yeah, so as it exists now, it's kind of just a moniker for like the the stuff that the video, skate video products that I work on with like our little crew. Uh, so it's kind of us. It's not like a brand or anything. But for a period of time, when it was started in like 2015, I think, or 2014, 2014, Stefan started it. He basically started it as he he wanted it to be a board brand. So he he made a batch of boards and the whole plan was just kind of make it like a a low-key, small-time board brand Um, and call it Owl and it'd be just mostly boards and then like Bristol Heads and other stuff. Uh, And he got me involved to be kind of 
to to like be involved in some of the skating but some of the art direction and like and just sort of ideas and just to sort of have me involved which I really appreciated um I was skating a lot more at that time as well so I was like more involved in the kind of skate side of things um and um then he I think over time I kind of got more and more involved with the art direction and actually ended up kind of designing not designing but kind of working on the concepts for all the boards and then working with designers so like for all of these boards I think like they're different people most of them are different people involved in each one uh and so I was kind of come up with the concept and I'd approach the artist and then we'd and then I like Stefan would film but I would edit the videos um so then a lot of the kind of identity of it was sort of me um and uh even though it was Stefan who was kind of putting the money down on like the boards and all that kind of stuff and so eventually Stefan was like hey man like like he had a fat he had just had daughter and he just got he just bought a house and stuff and like he just he was in a position where he like really didn't have the money to keep it going and so I just said well look man like I'll just do it like I'm down to keep keep it going and so he kind of handed the reins over to me a little bit and in in that period of time that's kind of where we changed it from out like owl skateboards which is what it was called then what he called it and I sort of made it into an acronym to sort of signify hey this is a sort of change over to what this is now something a little bit different uh, but fundamentally the same and um so I sort of kept doing I did a couple more boards uh and like a couple more bits of like um other kind of goods and merch and stuff but generally like the most important thing for me was always the videos so I just kind of kept focusing on videos and I had took a more active role in the filming of the videos and then eventually just filmed all the videos and edited everything and so now it went from being a kind of like small time bedroom board brand to being kind of just a I guess like I say like a moniker for the kind of the video work that I want to do with my friends and, and what we all do together and our little crew trips and stuff like that so it's kind of it's like a name for your scene almost yeah i guess so it kind of what i was always really inspired by was like uh so like how johan did minui uh for his sort of at the time was his scene in bordeaux and then it just became wherever he went he made minui videos and it was he did a bit of merch but it was more just to support him his project and it was never really about the merch. It was always about his video projects and, and stuff like that. And it's the same with uh, Zach Chamberlain with Sprinkles. It's kind of like the name of his sort of crew slash videos slash sort of brand. But like it's not like official. It's kind of low key. Uh, and, you know, same with Threads as well. It's like a crew. It's like they're, what they do. And Tightbooth, like, although Tightbooth is more of a brand. Like it was always about, I always just loved that model of like, video centric first as a sort of like name for that uh as a handle let's say for the kind of video centric approach with little bits of merch along the side so i make little bits of merch to go along with our crew videos but fundamentally the most important thing is the vids and the trips and and being with friends and making those projects and stuff hmm. i mean you'll if i'm correct i think your last your latest video is at maritime yeah, well, we did a little uh, a little series. We started a series with Vague called Villagers. So the most recent one was a video called... It was our first episode of Villagers, which is basically where we go around different places for like a week and do a trip to like kind of more rural, lesser touched places around the UK. Um, we got a bunch planned for next year. Um, and we go around and kind of do little short trips 
and make kind of four minute edits from them. And so that'll be something they're coming out like across next year and with Vague. Uh, we've got a few more planned for next year. But yeah, the last major project was, last proper project was Maritime, yeah. The reason why I bring it up is mainly because I remember seeing a clip of you on Instagram with a shovel, uh, shoveling like sand or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but just that site was, I don't know, quite poetic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. We, we used to do, we'd do especially for maritime because it was like a kind of coastal centric video there's a lot of spots that needed quite a lot of work so we did a bit of diy on a couple of spots and yeah chipped away a bunch of shit from some spots and shoveled some shit with some spots and broom i said we'd go i'd go to beaches and like broom the spot <laughs> which let's be honest we would... might look a bit weird <laughs> yeah well i went down to the beach with a broom and i was just brooming and i was with my wife and she was like so embarrassed and she was like she was like people are gonna think you're nuts and i'm just like sweeping the stones on the floor <laughs> and then like people go past me and go like got a lot left to do and i look up the beach and there's like you know millions of pebbles and uh but we, yeah so it's i'd sweep the spot and then we'd go down like maybe a few days later and skate it so then we didn't have to sweep it then but um now that's during lockdown, not lockdown, sorry, during kind of Corona where there was slightly less happening so I could have time to do stuff like that. But I quite like the idea of prepping spots and just making them like, you know, skatable. And... Well, save your time on the actual day. Yeah, exactly. So I did that a couple of things for, for Maritime. I don't usually do it as much, but for Maritime, it was like much more of a thing, much more necessary, you know. Weren't you a little bit nervous about taking an old camera to the beach? Like sand and seawater just doesn't mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were times like where it was like really windy and like uh and your fish eye'd get like super salty. So like I had that a few times where I'd have like really salty fish eye and you try to wipe it and it'd just be really difficult to clean. Um and yeah, scared of sand for sure, but at the same time I was scared of sand for the lens more than anything. And so I was just really careful about like not getting sand on the lens. But uh but generally the biggest issue was just yeah, condensate like kind of sea sea salt air. Yeah, um, I mean, that shit rusts everything it touches. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, the camera's not in the best state since that video, but then again, it's... It's a VX1000. <laughs> yeah, I've been filming as well in, like, for the last trip for the Villagers video, like, in, like, field, like, fo like misty fields, you know? And, like, that fucks it as well, you know? It's just, like, you can't really avoid it if you're wanting to do anything sort of semi-rural, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think you should just get a VX dedicated to the village, <laughs> you know, yeah. like for like salt sea, you know, sea salt, condensation, sand, mud, you know. I have a we have a a beach VX and then a a rural VX, like maybe different color schemes. Yeah, that'd be sick, like a camo. Yeah. Ooh, and get one of those like um, water jackets you can get for cameras. Hell yes, hell yes. Like instead of like Colin's like underwater shit, you can have like proper. Like preparation for snow, you know, sand, yeah. everything. You could have a snow camo VX, but um, but yeah, generally they're still all going. I mean, the thing is as well is like with tapeless, like it's like considerably less um, strain on the camera because obviously it's not having work working tape mechanism, so it's not like the tape is getting wet or like there's the heads are getting misty because it's not using the heads, uh, you know. So it's like a it makes a difference. Makes and you're difference. not having to open the tape deck. Ever. So it's not like, yeah. Yeah, so, 
yeah, it does make a big difference. It means that you have far less camera issues. In fact, I've not had a camera issue since I've had the tapeless stuff. So, uh, I want to change the subject to well, not that much, but it's kind of more on a personal level. It's like because I feel like some skate, maybe like young filmers or young skaters or whatever, gonna go into it thinking, oh, you know, maybe this will be like a career or something. But you have a job, don't you? Yeah. So I work full time for. Uh, like a music college or music university um, as like a kind of video content creator. Um, yeah, so I have like a, a nine to five. Um, it's pretty hard. I, I did think of for a long time, it's like, you know, I wonder how possible it would be to have like a skate video, like skate, uh, a job in kind of skate video making or whatever. But like, it's tough, you know, I don't think it's, I don't really think it's possible without kind of giving up a lot of the stuff that I want to do so I decided that I really want to have it as a sort of separate thing where it's not bastardized by anything else it's like that's my outlet that's what I love to do and that's not even paid and that's quite nice having it separated that way I, I generally kind of feel that way as it is it's like I can work at work and not really be too fussed about what I'm making uh, but I can work on my skate vids and that's what I truly care about so it's like don't really care if I get paid uh, not having to worry about that, like I think, allows people to kind of make some of their best stuff. The only thing that's difficult is that you don't have as much time, and that's the the trade off. But since working from home, since the beginning of the pandemic, I've been able to do find a balance with that kind of stuff. But you know, it's like like what's I remember talking to Colin Reed and saying like, how the fuck did you film Spirit Quest when you worked nine to five in New York? Like, like. How did you do it? Like how? How? It's such a long video, and it's so good, and the quality is so high. And he filmed it in like a couple of years, or like I'm just like, how did you do that? Like, there's no way. Like, I'll work all on a video for you know six months, and it'll be nine minutes long or something, you know. And I just don't understand how. But I guess it's just a different caliber of skaters and stuff. I don't know, but I mean, they say New York is the city that doesn't sleep, and I'm sure Colin was a part of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's so hard to to balance those two. Um, but yeah, in terms of like what you're saying about like a lot of filmers getting into it, hoping to kind of one day be part of the industry. The issue is there is no industry in a lot of the UK. Like, you know, I'm talking UK specific, but, you know, for in the in the States, you know, there really isn't an industry. You get if you're getting paid per clip, you're getting not very much considering the amount of hours you work. It seems like a nice idea, but the reality is you're only going to get a hundred quid and or a hundred dollars or whatever. So that's not really a viable option for like me. It wouldn't be a viable option for me or you're on a retainer, but then you work for a company the whole time and you don't get to do a huge amount of creative, like have a, a huge amount of creative input. I guess the only way that you could do it is by maybe starting your own company and being your own filmer and own editor and doing that yourself, which is why you've seen such an influx of like people starting their own companies and doing it themselves. Um, but like, unless you're in London or unless you're in fucking LA or New York, not any major. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or maybe Paris. You're probably not going to make money from from filming like a full. T you're not going to make a wage from filming. You're not going to make a proper salary that will pay or like a proper amount of income that will be able to pay your pay your way 
Um, the only way to do that is is in London, really. And I know a few people that do it and manage it, and that's fucking awesome. But at the same time, it means they have to live in London, and I think that's fine. I, I, London's cool, but I couldn't do that, so um, I, I don't want to live in London. So you know, that's just not an option for for me. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a there's pros and cons to I guess like being like a staff filmer for some big company. To on the one hand, you're making money doing what you love doing but on the other hand you've also got like bosses managers and stuff you like you said there's not much creative control to it and i think it's good that there's like like there's two sides to it you know there's like obviously it's amazing that you've got this opportunity but you're probably not going to be making exactly what you want to do and i think it's important for like young films to see that side of it because there there is this kind of weird like halo around it like oh i could work for nike you know that kind of thing yeah, well, that's the thing. I remember thinking that, like, especially like when my friend Cyrus started getting uh, work filming for proper brands, like when we were younger, and I remember being just so stoked for him. And it's like that is that is it, that is it, that is it. But then, like, you know, one thing I not not necessarily specifically to him. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but like with anyone, you realise that like when you film for these companies, you have to do like what they want you to do. I remember one one time, like, this is this is very beginning of when Cyrus was starting, and I hope he won't mind me telling this story, but, like, he, he did the video for, like, a video for, like, a Lakai tour. He filmed it and he edited it. Um, and it was really cool. But I remember him telling me, like, dude, I've had to change it so many times to their specifications. They want me to change so many things. And I would just, I just remember thinking, fuck, man, like, that's such a trade-off because, like, if I had made a project and someone kept turning around to me and saying, oh, I need to change this, this and this, I'd be kind of pissed. I'd be like, oh, man, nah, you know what? Don't worry about it. Like, I, it's how I wanted to make it. So, like, I don't want to change it because like, of the company. But obviously you're doing the work for that company. So it's a, it's a hard one. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one. Hmm. I mean, like, talking about, like, the whole, you know, working outside of skating and then all that kind of stuff, like, how do you make time? Because to me it doesn't make sense, like, because I work a nine to five now, it's like I don't know how the hell I'd manage like skating, filming, personal time, and work. I mean, how do you do it? It's tough. Like, I think for me, it's slightly different now that I'm working from home, because like I'll have tasks, and if I smash out all my shit for work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I might have a bit of Thursday to film. It might be not a busy week. It might be a bit week where I'm swamped and I have no time at all. But then I might have lots of time. So, like, I could be quite flexible with, like, filming. So I, I'm not probably the best person to, like, ask that, really, because I, I, I haven't got... Although I have a nine-to-five contractually, I sometimes have spare time and I can work on stuff. And I'm at my desk all day so I can edit a skate video, you know, while I'm editing something else or, you know. So it's like... Yeah, I'm definitely lucky. When I was proper nine to five, um, where I went into the office every day, it was hard. Like I couldn't, it was really tough to film. I'd only film on weekends. Uh, And then, yeah, you don't have much time for anything else. And you're tired as well. And like for Double Yellow, no, sorry, for Circadian, the vid we filmed, I was working like crazy shift times uh, for my previous job. And uh, we were filming super late as well. So, you know, we'd be filming because it was like a night, part day, part night video. We like would film. I would film until like three in the morning and then have like a 6 a.m. shift start. 
So I'd get like three hours sleep, wake up, do the shift start. That would finish at two. I'd have like a nap until like four. And then I'd go out at six and film until late. And so it's like, it's hard to find the balance. That's not healthy. No, it's, it, it sucks. I mean, that was the whole kind of premise of the like circadian thing. Because it was like, we fucked up our circadian rhythms, you know, yeah. by like having yeah. to do that. But then like the whole premise was about the circadian rhythm because it's day and night. So it's like, that was like a, yeah, that was like a, that was a tough one. You know, I was really tired. Of, you know, you get, you get really tired, but you can find a balance. There is a way to find a balance. You've just got to be patient with yourself. Mm. I think it's also being forgiving as well. Like if you, if you are, say like you're working like a, like a McDonald's or something, you know, like it's an awful job, awful money, awful shift times. But if you can like, if you're tired at the end of the day, that's fair enough. Fucking, you know, take a break. <laughs> like, don't force yourself to do anything like that. Yeah, totally. I Yeah, yeah. Being forgiving yourself, like letting yourself and making sure you're enjoying it as well. Mm. Like if you're filming something that you fucking hate and you're exhausted from working really hard, it's like, well, then that's not your day off. You know, your day off should be doing what you really like to do, working on the projects that you really care about. And like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the most important thing. It's funny because it's like talking of like crazy shift times. My, I remember my friend Ash telling me about when he lived in Tunbridge Wells and his other friend would be out like partying or something. And he worked, he'd work, I think he'd work until four in the morning being a bar manager and then he'd get off work. And then his friend would have a shift at like six in the morning. And in that gap, they would just go and skate at night in Tunbridge Wells. I can't remember if that's that's fully true. It's, some, it's something like that, the story. But I just remember thinking that was really fucking cool. That's a way to like merge the the times together. I can't imagine. I feel like a dick skating at that early in the morning, though. Yeah, I suppose so. Especially yeah. if you like, live in even like a small town like I live in. Like if I go skating at night. Like, I can hear people, like, fucking shouting, telling me off, and that kind of thing. It's so annoying. Yeah, the night skating thing is funny, because I used to absolutely love night skating. Like, I think it was so sick. And then I realised, like, the whole of Brighton is residential, so, like, you're going to be keeping somebody up. And now I feel a little different about it, because I just sort of do feel like it is taking the piss a little bit. But then it depends. It depends where you live. You know, if you live in a major city, then I'm it's fine. But skating residential places, like, at super late at night, as sick as it looks, like, I do feel a bit guilty about it sometimes. What would you say is the cut-off? What do you mean, as in the time? Like, the, just when, like, okay, after that, it's too much. Like, it's too ridiculous. I don't know. It depends on too many things. It dep- It's case by case, because it depends on, like, what, where you are, what you're skating, how close you are to houses, like, what, you know, how noisy it actually is, like... But, you know, like, 10 o'clock... After that, if you're outside someone's house, you're taking the piss. Like, yeah. But nah. yeah, I don't know. It depends on all sorts of different things. Hmm. Well, my next question is: Where do you see filming going in the next five or ten years? Ha. <laughs> okay. This is an interesting one. Um. Definitely moving more towards the maybe it's a sign of the times, but there's a big focus on the individual now, like in skate videos. Uh, as opposed to maybe the act of skating. With a VX video, you couldn't necessarily, back in the day, see the personality of the person as they're riding up to the trick or doing this and that, especially fisheye, for example. And then, you know, you throw in B-roll 
like the Baker video and to kind of get an idea of who these people were and like what they were like. Um, but the, the, the skate footage itself was very much about the act of skating and like what that trick looked like and enhancing the look of the spot and making it look like really big and, and, and just like really shouting about the skating. Like this is the skating. This is what's, what's that in a lot of the, the nth degree of like Strobeck's approach. Everything is like, it's about that person. It's about Supreme and it's about that person and that individual and that like their expression of their personality uh, and their individuality. So like now it almost seems like, you know, the face shots, the close up, the, the pullback, the, the interactions before and after it's about them. They're se- rather than selling how good they are at skating, it's selling look how interesting this person is. And I think that's a sign of the times because, you know, we're in a time of Instagram. We're in a time of everyone's got their own pedestal and their own platform. And everything is like a an extension of your own self. And you everyone's in echo chambers. It's all about them. And I think that that's like what this is. It's selling individual people at you. And obviously skating has always done that. Like, it's clear that skating has always done that to a degree. But more than ever, it really is about that. So... In answer to your question, I think like we're going to go more that way because it's going to be more about the individual because that's just the way society is going. It's going to be about like selling these kind of hyper individualized people who wear like really, really outlandish clothes and are really, really outlandish characters because the age of like, especially to the mainstream, the age of selling the idea of skateboarding and being really good at skateboarding doesn't really mean that much anymore because frankly, everyone's good at skating and it is about the individual like much more as much more like how it was maybe at the very beginning um and so i think we're probably going to go more down that way i th- i think there's going to be like so much more focus on i guess the panasonic cameras and, and like the strobeck the whole strobeck thing they're going to have cultural capital purely because of him and then the people around and the people that follow that and then i've also got like people like johnny wilson and like all the different people that use that camera like it's it's that's the next vx isn't it really um and so i think probably going to go more down that route there's going to be a lot more 43 hd i think for the people who aren't ready to make the transition or want to keep the kind of vx style alive i think the likelihood is it's going to be like a um it's going to be a transition over to 43 hd in in place of vx I don't think you're going to see as much VX footage. I think VX footage is going to be like very niche. It's going to become like a sub sub genre of skate videos in the same way that like, like I said before, like a specific genre of boom bap hip hop is made today, but it's made with a throwback. It's made for the throwback audience. It's made for the people that liked it back then. It's It's made for the nostalgia. It's made for like a specific subsect of people. Uh, Whereas now, you know, it still is kind of in the skateboarding mainstream somewhat. Uh, but I think eventually that will just die out and it'll be 4.3 HD for the people that want kind of like that style of skate video. Um, but yeah, I guess just more hyper-focus on the individual. That's just the way that society is going. And like, if I'm honest, like it bums me out. Like I don't like, I don't like that. I don't like, I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I don't really like Strobeck's filming. Like I, I find it like, quite difficult to watch and i can't see what's happening i can't see what the tricks are and like to me that doesn't matter i know to some people maybe it doesn't and is he actually good like (laughs) that's the question or is he just kind of 
out there and interesting and edgy. I don't know. It doesn't film fisheye. And that's not, I'm not saying that everything has to be fisheye, but like fisheye takes effort and he's productive. It's the fact that I don't think he like puts physicality into his work. And I think that that's a big part of skate filming. But like, I, I think he's quite lazy and he just sort of rests on his laurels that he's like got that aesthetic and that look. And I don't know, that's just my opinion, but that is the most popular aesthetic style of skate video in skateboarding today. So that's the way it's going to go. Like whether you like it or not, whether I've seen so many people saying like, yeah, Strobeck's sick, but like, you know, everyone who's biting his shit needs to stop biting his shit. And it's like, well, everyone's going to fucking buy his shit because it's the most popular thing. So get used to it. I mean, even, even Beagle did it. Yeah. It's like get, get used to it. That's the way skate videos are going to look from now on. I think, um, I think Strobeck's style of filming would benefit from having two filmers. One, like, like, cause I'm doing more like kind of film stuff now and like learning more about like film production and stuff. It, it, his style of filming would really benefit from two, two angles. One, definitely one close up on like the face and the board and whatnot. And then one, just getting the wide, getting everything going. Cause then you've got the, the best of both worlds then. Yeah. Or fisheye. Like, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you can't see the full extent of the trick and the shapes that the person is pulling, then why? How do you get the full picture of their style? And he films the fucking incredible people. Like Tyshawn and Kada are like fucking incredible. So like, how can you, like, how can you fuck? You can't fuck it with them. Like the one fuck up for me of his was the Candyland video. Well, I think it was the Nolly inward down the set. It was so zoomed in. You couldn't fucking see it. Like, the stairs chopped out, board chopped out. It was terrible. Yeah, I think I know the clip you're talking about. And yeah, but then it's like, that's his aesthetic. He's created a kind of genre. And I don't like it, but then other people like it. So, fair enough. People could turn around to me and say, well, I don't like VX footage where you can only see the shoe. Or where it's so close up that you can only see a wheel. And I get that. You know, I understand that that's an acquired taste too. So, like, I understand that there's, like, nuances in this, but I just prefer that to, you know, the hyperzoom kind of thing. Because at least, like, with the fisheye, because it's so wide, you can see the run-up and the landing. You know what's going on, and it's a surprise, but everything is still framed because of the fisheye. But then pushing the camera into aspects of the trick to show the kind of dynamic nature of it. But then, because of the fisheye framing, you still can kind of get an idea of what's going on. Yeah. Whereas there's times I've watched Strobeck's footage and I have no idea what's happening. Like, I don't know what I just watched. And it kind of take, devalues the trick. I'm like, I want that trick. You're not enhancing the trick. The whole point is to enhance the trick to me. So anyway, I could ramble about this forever, so I won't bore you. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah. Um, you brought up 4x3 HD, though, and I want to shout out Chris Mulhern for being, like, the fucking G. That's really cool you said that, because, like, of all the HD filmers in the game, he's definitely probably my favourite. Like, Absolutely. he's 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 a G. He, like, uh, did the transition to HD from the VX, like, he did uh, This Time Tomorrow, which is one of my favourite videos, and then he did the transition to HD so seamlessly... And I, I spoke to him about it and he said like the, it was all, a, he just approached it like it was filming VX. Even though the technology wasn't quite there, he had to film on like a DSLR. He just tried to approach it like he would filming VX. And, you know, he says it's rough around the edges, but generally like that was always his approach. And you can just tell, like you can tell he's a skate video maker when you watch his videos. 
you can tell that when he's making an Adidas video, it's still something of his. And um, I really, I really like that. And he, he made it, he, he made that Gustav part look amazing for free. Um, I think he kind of, yeah, was one of the first to do it in a kind of major video. But a few people have done it, you know, while loads of people do it now, like it's, it's quite widespread, but you know, uh, yeah, he definitely fucking shout out to him for sure. He killed it. Well, I mean, what would it take for you to go full free HD? I, mate, I would do it. I mean, I, I, I don't need to because I, because I've got the VX and I love, I love it and I, I like using it. But, uh, and I, and it's working. If all my cameras broke, I probably would I'd consider it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I do quite like the VX. It depends. I just don't know what the setup. I can't see. I haven't seen that many setups that I think. I know that there's many that look good. But some of them apparently aren't balanced quite right, or they, like for example, your setup, you you have your footage looks almost like DVX footage used to, like with the with the Century. Yeah, and I like that, but like it's, I prefer the way kind of VX footage looks, I think. So I'd probably stick with the VX. But then I've also seen other people which who use the fucking Mark One on on HD cameras with modifications. I've seen people. There's all sorts of different ways you can do it, and frankly, they bar like one or two, they mostly look pretty sick, and um, I really like them. But uh, I guess I just have no need to because I really like the VX still, and you know, it's got the audio, it's got the the full. To me, it's the full package. Um, maybe if I smash my lens or like I can't do it anymore, I'll consider consider it. But until then, I'm 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 VXing, baby. Would you not get like a Tadashi filter or something for your lens? Not what, a shout out, by the way. Just saying for the for the for the Mark One. Yeah, I have one. I have one, but well, I had one. I gave it away. They're cool. Uh, they just got a bit dusty for me, and apparently you can fix that with spray. But I just um, I just could never could be bothered, and I just ended up giving them away. Uh, the worst lens thing I've ever got was a pebble flicked up and hit the lens. Ooh. Uh, so it's not even from an actual lens hit. Um, last question. How important is music to you in a video? Um, yeah, really important. Like, really, really, really important. Like, I spend quite a long time for, like, my videos, like, finding music, like, like searching forums and, like, you know, just, like, kind of world music compilations and stuff for for music. But the thing is, is, I like, I'm aware that, like, it's a, a matter of opinion, you know? Like, music is one of those things where you're never going to please any everyone, um, I think that like as skate video, like with skate videos, like people tend to stick to kind of what's trendy and what's trendy within skate videos. So you end up seeing quite a lot of like rep- repetition of the same thing. But then, you know, I could be accused of a similar thing in just the kind of wheelhouse of the videos that I like. So like, you know, I see videos like Zach Chamberlain. So I'm like, oh, I love how we use world music. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I, I really like using world music or you know, maybe I'll end up doing something similar um, or like certain hip hop or whatever. And So it is really down to taste. So I get that, like, I get that. But I do get quite bored of seeing the same old, like hearing the same old kind of music used in videos. But then people like that music. So, you know, it's just how it is. Um, but to me, it's really, really important. And it, it can make or break a video. You know, if, I, if it's got good tunes, I'm just always stoked. But then that, that's why, again, I like Yoan's videos because it's the full package, you know. He always uses rad music. And same with Zach Chamberlain, always uses rad music. And, you know, 
uh, Colin with Spirit Quest always uses bad music. So, yeah. But again, it's taste. I just like that music, and some people don't. So. For me, anyway, I feel like finding music for some of these things takes like the longest time. Never mind like the filming and the editing of it. Sometimes that can come real quick. If you like searching for the right track to fit the vibe can take ages. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It's taken me like six months to find songs before, but then I'm always looking. So it's like, it's hard, but it's so important. And I see people sometimes like, I, I'm not going to call any filmers out, but like, I, I watch videos sometimes and I'm like, oh, it's very clear that the all the skaters chose that music. and Or, or like, oh, it's clear that, that that filmer doesn't listen to music because they've just used whatever. Or, oh, it's clear that skate that filmer doesn't watch skate videos because they would know that that song's been used in so many videos before and they're quite seminal parts. It just seems like, I don't know, that's enough to just completely put me off a video straight away. For especially like a a song that's already been used in like something obvious is like, come on, man. Like, yeah, don't do that. Like, I don't understand how that's ever acceptable unless you're doing it as like an intentional homage or being ironic. But I see it in all the time. I see videos I'm like, how is that? How did you use that? Like, how do you think that's cool? It's like away days, you know, like when that Adidas video came out and they just use so much bait music. I remember thinking like, I'm pretty sure fucking uh boosnit skated to bowie and it's like really come on (laughs) like there's so much other stuff out there you're just flexing the fact you can pay the royalties like i just i i I hate that shit man i really hate that shit it's like there's so much music out there like show me something new well they also do that so they can like yeah i mean they do that shit anyway just so they can play in like a you know in an adidas shop or whatever and have it playing like oh you recognize this song buy our shoe that kind of thing Oh, interesting. I never thought about that, but that does make sense. But yeah, I just, I don't know. Skate videos have introduced me to so much rad music and I love it and I love that. I love seeing a video, hearing a song I think is dope and being like, who is that? You don't get that if it's an obvious artist because it's like, you know that obvious artist already. You know that song already. Like, I want to hear some shit I've not heard before in a skate video that's good. And sometimes it takes a long time to find it, but you can find it. Everyone can find it. The internet's free. I remember when the first bronze video came out, everyone was like, wow, how, like, what's this song? What's this song? And they didn't know any of the songs on it. They were all just random songs from the depths of YouTube. And then one day, like, uh, Peter, I don't actually know how to pronounce his second name, Sidulskus, uh, the guy who runs or does all the videos for bronze, I think it's his thing. Uh, he he posted up on Tumblr for like 24 hours, all the track listings and everyone was going nuts. I remember it was like in the Tumblr days and everyone was like copying all the tracks and stuff. I just thought that was fucking sick because like no one knew what they were. And I'm, I don't like the idea of withholding that information, but like, I just think it's sick that like no one's heard these tracks before. I guess my argument is with the internet, we have access to pretty much all the music that's ever been made or released at least. Music is amazing and there's so much good shit out there. There really isn't an excuse to to use bait music in my opinion like if you have a particular genre that you like there's artists you've never heard of that are just around the corner on a youtube suggestion or a spotify suggestion or a forum or just do the put the groundwork in that's the that's the key um and if you love music you'll you'll which most people do you'll find something that fits so music is important man like i do think that like as a filmer and as an editor and as a creator of a video 
that's just another part of it. You know, you can you choose the angles, you choose the tricks, you choose the fucking song, and that's like that's like part of the creative process, and that's what that's sometimes what can make or break a video. So yeah, it's really important, man. I think. I mean, it's worth it in the end. It does add that kind of like the discovery aspect of it because you might might be watching one of your videos for the first time. It's like fuck, this is good skating, good filming, and what is that track? You know, like that kind of discovery factor to it sick i like that I, that's that's that i think you're totally right and not without too cliche of a like uh reference but i almost feel like it's like searching for spots you know you can go down a crusty alleyway and find a dope spot i mean that's really cheesy to say that but like it is like that it's like find something that no one's touched before like find an artist that no one's heard of before like they're everywhere man like soundcloud just go on soundcloud shit's rife like there's so many music archival projects on youtube and on the internet like you can find music from all over the world like just you could do anything you don't have to just use like a pavement track or like as good as that band are like you don't you there's other music i've used some like bait stuff in 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 like the past i'm not perfect i know that like i've done it too but like yeah, some videos I see, I'm like, really? That track? Like, come on. Like, out of all the ones you could have chosen, that one. Mm, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, that's why I fuck with Bandcamp so much. Like, the stuff on there is so good, and all the money goes to the artists and stuff. And most of the time, they're more than happy for you to use their stuff, which for is really, great. Yeah, Bandcamp stuff, I found some good tracks on there, for sure. Yeah, Bandcamp is sick. I like the artists, just like, if you give them like a share out in the description or something, if I could say a YouTube edit or something, but they're more than happy for you to like get the rights to use it. Yeah, fully. That's such a good point. Especially if you're like, like a DVD or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're releasing a DVD, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit shit when it comes to music rights. Like, I don't, most of the artists that I've used in recent edits, like, maybe aren't alive anymore or like don't really have a record label or, or didn't at the time. So, like, or well, sorry, did at the time, but don't anymore or something. So I very seldom get like the need to ask for the rights. Um, but because uh, it's only YouTube. But if I made a DVD or did something properly, then maybe I'd reconsider that. don't know. Have you got anything else you want to mention or anything you're working on that you want to shout out or whatever? Um, well, yeah, we got the Villagers series, which we're doing for Vague. There'll be some other bits in the works next year. I've got some shit on the store, so if anyone, only a little bit, but if people want to support, then feel free to just head to our store. It's just awillianworldlandscape.co.uk, and then we've got like a store through there. Um, yeah, and yeah, watch, we'll be doing some stuff next year, so watch the space.